So, Father, we come before you uh, to this morning, this um, historic Palm Sunday that uh, w- that we live in at this time. And, and Lord, we are so thankful that we come to one who is alive today. We imagine that day when, when Jesus came into Jerusalem and uh, the people were expecting this, this triumphant, messianic, powerful, ruler and king and there was celebration in the air and people were shouting hosanna god save us hosanna to the to the king hosanna in the highest and and lord as we reflect upon that time we look at our own time when people are inside people can't go outside people can't celebrate people can't go into the streets Uh, But we praise you, Lord, that you are the king. We praise you that you are in control of all things. We praise you, Lord, that no matter what circumstances are happening in this world, they do not take you by surprise. Lord, we may have lost our jobs. We, We may be in positions of risk, those of us who are out there working. Uh, Lord, there is so much uncertainty. We we may have loved ones who have tested positive for the virus. We may have uh, friends and relatives in hospital. Lord, we may have um, uh, people who are working in in the nursing and doctors and people who are who are on the front lines. And and Lord, we just give ourselves to you in a fresh and in a new way. And we ask, Lord, that you would you would simply be with us. And Lord, you would just remind us of your presence. You would just calm our fears. You would just fill us afresh with your spirit as we walk day by day in these times. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And good morning, everyone. And welcome to this, uh, well, this historic Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is traditionally the time when a week before Easter, when we we remember that time when Jesus came into uh, the city of Jerusalem, and uh, the the whole Easter week is kicked off by Palm Sunday. <coughs> Pardon me. And uh, so I want to welcome you this morning. We will be winding up our series today. As you see the slide on the screen, Jesus said what, and that is a series that we started. Uh, way back in March, wow, I'm looking at the screen there, March the 1st, March the 1st, we were back in the movie theater, 
and our world was very different. And today, of course, April the 5th, so much has changed. But I want to take a moment to welcome you and to welcome those of you who may be new to our church who are joining us on Facebook Live. You may be a first-time guest today. You may have seen our posts during the week, and you're joining with us this morning. If you have uh, prayer requests, if you have questions, uh, please use Facebook during this stream and just send us a quick message. Uh, You can also contact us at the address that you see on the screen, uh, citypointchurch.ca slash contact. Uh, Whatever you need, please let us know. And uh, welcome again this morning. I've got a few announcements for you before uh, we begin today. Uh, this this coming week is, the, of course, the last week before Easter. And uh, every weekday for the last, what is it, 15 days now, we've been doing a little mini Easter devotional series called The Countdown to Easter. And we're going to wind up that series uh, this week. And I've got a couple of special things for you. Uh, On Wednesday night, uh, it being the beginning of the Jewish Passover, I'm going to do a special presentation for you on Facebook Live about the significance of the Jewish Passover. This is particularly relevant today in this time that we live in, and I want to show you how the Jewish Passover relates to Easter, and I'm going to do that for you on uh, uh, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. with a real Passover plate and everything, and go through the different symbols and what they all mean for you. If you're not familiar with this, it's going to be a really special treat for you. Uh, so join me live at 7 p.m. We, Of course, we always post everything on our Facebook page anyway, and then it gets onto our website as well. You do not have to have a Facebook account to watch our stuff. Uh, so you can, you can tell your friends. You can have them log in. You can do things like host watch parties, and that, that helps to share uh, the Word of God uh, when, we, when we are together, okay? And then on Good Friday night, At 7 p.m., we're going to do a special service then as well, and I want to talk about a very basic but very important question for you. Why was Jesus crucified? Why? And I can hear some of you saying, well, he died for our sins, that's why. Uh, Well, I want you to look at it from maybe a different perspective on uh, Friday night at 7 p.m. We're going to go through that that question, and I guarantee you by the end of that, you will look at the the whole event of the trial of Jesus and his crucifixion in a different way. And then on Easter Sunday will be our Easter Sunday service, Easter 2020, question mark, question mark. All the churches are closed. And so is Easter going to be canceled? Can you stop Easter? What if there were no Easter? What if there was no resurrection of Jesus from the dead? Does that have any impact on our lives today? What is the relevance of that today in our lives? And uh, we're going to talk about that on Easter Sunday. And then we're going to do something really special. In the afternoon, we are going to have the ultimate Easter quiz and you'll want to participate in that because the winner of that quiz is going to have a brand new iPad shipped directly to their home. Okay, now I'm going to tell you in advance that uh, in order to participate in this, I need information from you. I need your name. I need your email. I need your cell phone. 
If you're part of this church already, I already have that. If you are not, you need to contact me and get get all of that information to me. You will need the internet in your house, and you'll need two internet devices uh, connected. One to watch the questions through a Zoom call, and one to give the answers, okay, through uh, an electronic gaming platform that we found. So um, that's going to be on Easter Sunday. You will love it. Uh, If you're tracking with our Easter devotionals midweek, then I'm releasing clues every single night. If you are following that, you are highly uh, likely to take home that iPad depending on how quickly you're able to answer those questions, all right? So that's going to be on Easter Sunday next week. You will not want to uh, to miss that. <clears throat> also, uh, if you are not on Right Now Media yet, uh, that is an amazing tool, especially for the times that we live in. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> Got a little cough there, and you're supposed to cough in your sleep. Um, right now, media is an incredible tool. You have, uh, I think it's over 10,000 titles now. This is the biggest video streaming Bible study service in the world. We have access to it through our partnership with Church on the Queensway in the city of Toronto, and so thankful for that relationship and support and partnership. And so uh, if you are not on Right Now Media and you want to be, contact me with your email address and I will send you an invitation so that you can get on for free. Again, that's courtesy of our friends uh, in Toronto Church on the Queensway. Some great, great titles and some new ones that they just put out this week. If you are brand new to the Bible and you're just discovering it and just trying to figure it out, I, I remind you to uh, download the app version. This is the best Bible app on the market. I love their video section. They will teach you how to read different books of the Bible, the different genres of the Bible, so you don't have to be intimidated by the Bible when you have a tool like version. So if you do not have that, just follow the, uh, go to the uh, website on your screen, or you can download it on um, any Android or Apple uh, device. Um, as far as participating in the life of this church and contributing, everything is online now. All of our platforms are electronic and uh, all of the communication and everything. I mean, we find different ways of communicating with people and checking in with people and doing outreach at the same time uh, through Facebook. And so uh, that needs your support. Our missionaries still need your support. And so I challenge you to be generous even in these difficult times. The church is not exempt. All of us have been hit hard and all of our households, including the church. So um, when you give, you can give on our website uh, through the PayPal portal, which will accept a PayPal account or any credit card. Uh, You can also use uh, e-transfer. There is an email address on your screen there, e-transfer at citypointchurch.ca in order to e-transfer to us. And I thank you for your generosity in advance. Many of you have switched your giving methods and continue to be faithful, and that's so appreciated. Uh, Something for the kids. Uh, The parents would have received an email this week from uh, my wife, Janet, and we're encouraging the children and the youth all the way up to age 19 to send us your Easter artwork to that address on the screen, jpersad at citypointchurch.ca. And uh, we're going to do a little little collage and present that. And uh, here's one that came in. 
that I was so touched by. There's so much hope in this in this image made by one of our kids. And uh, you see Jesus on the cross there and the tomb, and then you move to the empty tomb and the resurrection and Mary discovering the empty tomb. I tell you, it gave me so much hope to look at that. And so kids, you'll want to participate in that. Teens, you'll want to participate in that. Use any type of medium you, you, you want, but send us that image uh, so that we can do a collage and post it. Remember to visit our website, citypointchurch.ca. It's on your screen there for all of our updates. We are doing another Zoom call today. We do this every Sunday at 3 o'clock. Uh, so far at least, and we're going to do another call today. Uh, if you did not get the invitation or the link, reach out to me and I will send that to you, okay? Um, so we're going to finish our our uh, series today, Jesus Said What? Jesus Said What? And when we look really into the gospel story and we look at Matthew and Mark and Luke and John from the Bible, not from a, a cultural piece or a movie or a book or a television series, but we actually look at the scripture and look into the pages of the Bible, we discover a Jesus who said some pretty outrageous things. He said some pretty controversial things. He said some things that got him in a lot of trouble. He said things that got him to the cross. And uh, when we understand what Jesus said, we learn more about who Jesus is. And when we have a right understanding of Jesus, we have a right understanding of Christianity. And when we have a right understanding of Christianity, everything starts to fall into place. Um, So in the beginning, we talked about, uh, first and foremost, can we even trust the Gospels? Uh, Can we even say that the Gospels are a reliable account of what Jesus said? And you'll find that on our Facebook page and on our website. And then we talked about the first recorded words of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy in the temple courts as he was dialoguing with the teachers of the law and so on. We, we had uh, the whole crisis uh, came to the forefront uh, very, very quickly, and we did a, a look at the Bible and the virus. And then we continued with a saying of Jesus, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father will also forgive you your sins. But if you do not forgive men when they sin against you, your Father will not forgive your sins. An outrageous saying. Um, and then last week we talked about when Jesus used the title, the, the sacred and holy and sanctified title, uh, I am uh, Yahoo, uh, to refer to himself at, directly as calling himself God. So today we're going to talk about the last recorded words of Jesus, the last recorded words. We did the first ones, and we're going to do the last ones. And I know what some of you are thinking, especially church, church folks, you're thinking, okay, that's the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them uh, uh, everything that I said. And lo, I am with you even till the end of the world. That's not really the last recorded words of Jesus. Maybe you're thinking about something in the book of Acts as you pass through the Gospels and then you move into the Acts of the Apostles. You say, well, there must be something there that Jesus said. Well, that's not really the last recorded words of Jesus. When we think about the last recorded words, 
of Jesus in the Bible, we actually have to go to the last book of the Bible, and that is the book of Revelation. And you actually have to go to the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And um, I'll, I'll pick it up at verse 12 and read right to the end. These are the words of Jesus as recorded by John the Apostle as he's exiled on the island of Patmos, first century, probably post-destruction of the temple, uh, somewhere around 95 AD under the rulership of the very uh, uh, violent and uh, uh, autocratic ruler, uh, Emperor Nero. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Lest we have any doubt as to who this is, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is a title used for God. This is a title also used for Jesus. All three of them, Alpha, Omega, first and last, beginning and the end. Clearly, this is Jesus who is speaking. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. Apparently, according to Jesus, that's real. And may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs. Dogs was a term that Jews would use for Gentiles. Here, Jesus is playing on that and using it for the unrighteous. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, they are apparently excluded, according to Jesus. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And then it switches back to John dialoguing with the hearers here, the readers, the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come, whoever is thirsty, let him come and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. This is, again, John writing. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away, takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things, verse 20 of Revelation 22, says, Yes, I am coming soon. Those are the last recorded words of Jesus in the Bible. And John says, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. And he concludes his, his bizarre letter, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. These are the last recorded words of Jesus. Yes, I am coming soon. I came across a, um, a sign from a church on the, on the Internet surfing around, as many of you are doing. And I saw this sign uh, from this, this church, I take it, in the United States. And it says this, just like Jesus will be back 
but nobody knows when. <laughs> Just like Jesus, we will be back, but nobody knows when. And so they're kind of playing on this thing of, well, nobody can go to church. We're not sure when we're coming back, but nobody knows when Jesus is coming back either. Um, and when we think about the second coming of Jesus, the truth be told, the second coming for, I'd say, the last couple of decades has been very much uh, an idea that is off of our spectrum and off of our thoughts. I mean, before this crisis happened, I, I doubt that many of us were thinking about contemplating, considering the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And the question is, does this have any relevance for us uh, today in our lives? Why is the second coming actually relevant to our lives in the 21st century? Uh, back when the 11th of September happened in the year 2001, uh, the churches were packed and people were were thinking, is this the, the third world war? And people were thinking, is this the end of the world? Is this the apocalypse? And many people were wondering about the second coming of Jesus. A uh, couple of weeks later, however, the, the people's the church attendance dropped again and people started to learn to get on with their lives and uh, began to live perhaps in a different way with all the security measures and all of that. But it seems to have been much more temporary than what we're experiencing today. And since 9-11, a lot of the discussion about the second coming has been more more uh, intellectual and more seemingly reserved for scholars in a in a classroom somewhere uh, arguing about method and timing of how Jesus is going to come back and there's all kinds of views when you look at the, a book like Revelation, and you'll see this on the screen, uh, how do we interpret this thing? Is this an, uh, do we, are we an idealist, which means we interpret it as allegory? Are we a preterist, which means it's occurred in the past? Are we a historicist, which means that they're all symbols of, of, of history even up till now? Are we a futurist, which means it will, become, it will occur in the future? And then there's all discussions about that. And the next slide, we go into terms like premillennial, are you a premillennialist? Are you postmillennial? Are you amillennial? Are you pre-tribulational, post-tribulational, mid-tribulational? All these arguments and all these debates, which are all well and good, but Jesus still says the same thing to all of it. Yes, I am coming soon. And so I want to take this idea off of the shelf and out of the, the books and into our hearts today because we are in the biggest wake-up call of our lifetime. We are living through an event here that we will likely never see again as long as we live. And people who are people who are of faith and people who are, have no faith system whatsoever are all saying that same term. This is a wake-up call. And this is what we are experiencing. And uh, it, it's, it's shaken all of our lives, this whole experience of, of change so, so rapidly. Now, when we, when we think about something like the second coming, especially if you're, if you're approaching it from a faith perspective, wow, this has changed 
everything. I mean, what would it take for God to get the attention, first and foremost, of his people to begin to think about the relevance of the second coming again? What would it take to bring people back into their homes with their families and spending time with their children again and working on those relationships? What would it take to to teach the culture to not be so materialistic and so selfish? What would it take to to drive us to a place where all we have is the basics and all we have is time on our hands to perhaps refocus our lives and reconsider what's important to us. What would it take to do that? Perhaps exactly what we are experiencing right now. And I have a feeling that most people are taking advantage of this time in a, in a way that is going to actually have an effect on their lives. And they're saying, you know, I'm here with my kids. Maybe I should spend more time with my kids. Maybe I should spend more time with the people who are closest to me. Maybe I should stop thinking about all this materialism and, and stop being so selfish. And maybe I, I should consider things that I've never considered before. And a lot of people are asking a lot of existential kind of questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What is going on now? Why is God uh, uh, permitting perhaps all of this? Why is all this happening? And we're all going through that process, at least many of us are. It is the biggest wake-up call of our lives. And so I want to give you some lessons today on the necessity of the second coming. Why the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus is so critical to you and why it's so important to you and why it's so practical to you. And I want to do this using, yes, the virus and the disease. And just so you distinguish these terms, and I'm going to give you a little science class here for the next few minutes. The virus is called SARS-CoV-2. SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. COV stands for uh, uh, Coronavirus. Uh, the, the, uh, the virus is called Corona for a reason, and I'll get into that. And uh, it has a two there because it's very similar to, in, in, at least in its genes, or at least somewhat similar in its genes, to SARS, uh, which, which was discovered in the year 2003. So this is SARS-CoV-2, sometimes called coronavirus because the little spikes on it look like a corona. They form that kind of look, okay? The disease is called COVID-19, and the word COVID, uh, again, from corona, virus, and D for disease, and they call it 19 because of the year 2019. So I want to give you a little science class here and teach you from what this virus is and what this virus does, why the second coming of Jesus is so important. Now, many people think that science and faith are incompatible. I would challenge you, especially people who may be skeptics who are watching this feed, the more we learn about the world, the more we learn about how the world operates, the more we learn about science, the more we learn about God. The closer we know God and the more we understand the Bible. 
So the two are not mutually exclusive, and uh, I have seen uh, some reports on on the media of some churches, uh, in particular in the U.S., who remain open and try to continue meeting with people coming in by the dozens, sometimes even the hundreds. Uh, you may you may or may not know that in Seoul, uh, in South Korea. Uh, the, a large percentage of the people infected in South Korea with this virus come from one church in particular. So this idea of, well, the church is exempt and somehow the church is magically protected by God if it decides to meet, this is, this is actually to ignore science. And this is actually to say, you know, God, we don't want to learn about it. We just sort of have faith. Well, God would ask us to think and God would ask us to learn because the more we learn about this world around us, actually the more we learn about God and the more we learn about the Bible. So I want to show you the second coming by looking at this virus. I'll give you some pictures here. And this is uh, from a very well-written article um, on the New York Times uh, website, okay? This is what this little pesky virus looks like. Uh, They call it a coronavirus because of the spikes on it. Those spikes form the look of a couronne, a crown in French, like like a corona. And that's what the little thing looks like under a microscope. Maybe it doesn't look that bad, uh, but this is a coronavirus. And there are, this coronavirus is a species of virus. I think there's like four dozen kinds of coronaviruses. Most of them live in animals. Uh, About six of them or seven of them affect humans. This one here that the world is dealing with now has lived in animals and now lives in us, uh, in humanity. And if you go to the next slide there, it's covered with these spikes. And those spikes, those red spikes that you see are proteins. And inside of the outside layer of that cell where you have essentially fats and lipids, uh, you you have its RNA in there. You have its genetic code. And I want you to see what this little virus does when it gets inside of the body. It enters into a vulnerable cell. Um, and the, the name of that little that little receiver that's catching that spike that you see on that screen, that's called an ACE2 protein. And those are in our air passages. And this spike of this of this virus likes to latch itself onto that ACE2 protein, which controls or has something to do with the control of our blood pressure. And so it comes into the body through these little droplets in the air that will go into your body through your nose or your mouth or even your eyes perhaps, and it will find its way into your air passages and latch on to that ACE2 receiver. And then it rather insidiously uh, tries to take over. And so what happens is it gets enveloped into that receptor and then it opens and it releases that little squiggly stuff in the center, which is its genetic code, its, its, its genome, its RNA, which is about 30,000 letters, if you want to term, use that term, uh, long. And uh, just to give you an idea of the comparison here, uh, the genetic material of... Um, of of that 
uh, RNA is rather simple compared to the human genome. The human genome is like 3 billion letters long. Uh, this one is about 30,000, but it releases its its code from inside of it. And then if you go to the next slide, it actually hijacks the cell. And the cell just it, the cell is like a factory. It's like a machine that God created, and it it is uh, interrupted by this DNA that comes, this RNA that comes into it, and the cell says, "Oh, I need to copy this." And so you see that little blue blob. That's a cell, and it's copying that that RNA sequence, and it's actually producing um, the, 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 the protein spike. It's actually manufacturing it and making it. And if you go to the next slide, you'll see that the cell is now recreating the human cell is recreating that red spike protein. So it, it, it has come in this coronavirus and it has hijacked a human cell. And now the human cell is replicating it and copying it. And if you go to the next slide, it assembles new copies like a factory. It makes new copies of itself, replicates itself, creates more and more of itself, and spreads the infection. And then you have millions and millions of these coronavirus cells in a human body. Bad, bad news. It is an insidious hijacker with a mission to survive. And it, and it is doing that all around the world. And so what happens is that our immune system, which, which God created, our natural defense mechanism in our body, starts to fight back. And our temperature goes up and we get a fever and our immune system tries to kill uh, this virus. But in the process, it, it, uh, this virus can cause it to overreact and we get overwhelmed by our own immune system. And if this thing gets inside the lungs, there are all kinds of damaged cells that are all over the place, and those are all dead cells that you see on your screen, and our lungs get filled with liquid, and our lungs are filled with all this carnage from our immune system overreacting and sometimes not even being able to shut itself off, and then we start to not be able to breathe. And that's when people need to get hooked up onto ventilators and they end up in the intensive care unit in uh, hospitals. And then this cell uh, wants to leave a, a particular body that it's infected and it wants to go jump into somebody else's body. And so when a person coughs or when a person sneezes or when a person maybe touches their mouth and then shake somebody's hand and then that person didn't wash their hands and that person touches their mouth bingo that virus is going to jump from one person to another and continue its insidious hijacking procedures in order to survive it needs a host and that host is you and me and it will stop at nothing to keep on surviving uh, if we can come up with a vaccine uh, quickly enough uh, on the left side, you see a flu vaccine. On the right side, you see what could be a COVID-19, um, uh, sorry, a coronavirus vaccine. And the vaccine is that kind of little, uh, almost looks like a three-leaf clover that you see on the left-hand side of your screen at the top. That's a flu vaccine. 
And when you put a flu vaccine into somebody's body, the, the body creates these antibodies. Those are those thicker white little pieces there that you see. And those white pieces, they go hunting for the virus. And they say, oh, look, there's a virus there. And they're attaching themselves to the vaccine. And then they say, okay, we, we're going to find anything in the cell that looks like that. And then they go and attack the, the, the flu. And, uh, and they will go after that influenza and they will kill it. And so if we get a vaccine for coronavirus, which is on the right-hand side of your screen there, those little things with the red tips at the top, or just imagine that's a vaccine for coronavirus, and they will teach the antibodies to hunt down and kill uh, that virus if that virus were to enter the body. That's why it's so important that uh, we use the available technology today to create a vaccine. You say, what does this have to do with the second coming of Jesus? Just hold on. Uh, on the next slide, you'll see the power of soap. This is the most powerful agent that we have in this world to kill that virus. It's not Purell. It's not hand sanitizer. It's good old-fashioned soap and water. Because what that soap does, if you have that virus on your hand and you wash your hand with soap vigorously, what that soap is going to do, it's not the water, it's the soap that does it, it will pop the protective layer of lipids around that RNA. And when it pops it, the RNA comes out and it dies very, very quickly because those lipids protect it like a little shield. And that is the power of soap. And that's why washing your hands a thousand times a day is so, so, so important. And not touching your face is so important. And sneezing in your elbow is so important, like I, like I did today a few times, because that's what this thing wants to do to humans. And so it's up to us as to how much we spread it. It's up to us as to how fast we work and how organized we are in how to kill it and to discover a virus to ultimately beat it. What does this have to do with the second coming of Jesus? Uh, I said virus, a vaccine to, uh, to, to kill it. Thank you. Uh, what does this have to do with the second coming of Jesus? What does this have to do with the Bible? If you go to the next slide... This virus is a perfect example of what we see in Scripture. If you turn to uh, the book of Romans and um, chapter 8 and verses 18 uh, to 25, you are going to see a rather staggering picture from the, the pen of the Apostle Paul as to our present condition in this world. Romans chapter 18, verses 18 to 25. I consider that our present sufferings, are you suffering today? The world is suffering because of this virus. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's a future thing that he's talking about. The creation not just humanity, but the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That is a term to, uh, to uh, a way of talking about the second coming of Jesus, because at the second coming of Jesus, there will be the revelation of who the children of God are and their ultimate redemption, okay? So the creation waits in eager expectation for this, for the creation was subjected to frustration, 
not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. So what is he saying? He's saying that the whole of creation is in a state of decay. And we can see that decay all around us. We can see that decay in our own lives, in our own bodies. Whether we have a virus or we don't have a virus, our bodies are in a state of constant decay. This world, according to Paul, is not getting better and better. Nature is not improving itself. It's degrading. It's disintegrating. It's falling apart. It's in decay. Uh, uh, we see it all around us with, uh, with the warming of this planet and all of the concerns with that. But we see it in particular now. All of us see it all around this world with this virus, this creation groaning that is attacking us. And even when it gets in our bodies, our own immune systems can hurt us rather than help us because of this, this scheming and the intelligence, as it were, of this of this out of um this out of control in some ways virus i mean it, it, it is a perfect example of creation in a state of decay and so uh, the hope is that even creation will be brought into the glorious freedom of the children of god we know that the whole creation, verse 22, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That's first century. I would say right up to the present time, 21st century. We see the groaning and the, de the decay of creation. Not only so, but we ourselves, talking about the people of faith who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That is a future event linked to the second coming of Jesus. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. What are we waiting for? We're waiting ultimately for the second coming. So there is an eternal cure. If you'll go to the next slide, there's an eternal cure for this virus and for the, the decay and the destruction that we see in creation. And with reference to this virus, it's better than a vaccine. It's even better than soap. The eternal cure is, yes, I am coming soon. Yes, I am coming soon. It's 2,000 years later, but yes, I am coming soon. Very simple truth there. The Lord's coming is a promise, and the Lord's coming is imminent. That means soon. How soon? We don't know. And he left it intentionally that way for us so that we would always be waiting, and we would always be watching, and we would always be wise in the way that we live. And the question is, how do we live with the understanding that Jesus is going to come. 
what is that going to do in our personal lives? Um, how do you live when you believe that Jesus is coming soon? What is it that happens in your own personal life uh, when you do that? And you need look no further than back in the book of Revelation um, for the answer, Revelation chapter 12 and verses 7 to 11 as we, as we finish up here. Uh, verse 7, and this is, um, this is in the midst of this pictured battle between good and evil that John is writing about in Revelation chapter 12, regardless of your, your method of interpretation. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, going way back to the garden there, or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God. For the and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down they overcame him watch this by the blood of the lamb we sang about that this morning and the word of their testimony that is how we are ultimately going to overcome this virus or this any worldwide pandemic be it whatever it is it's by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death these people who he was writing to who were suffering under emperor nero who would who would execute them in brutal fashions that i can't even really mention without it being so graphic these people learned that their lives were of secondary meaning uh, to the gospel of jesus and the hope that they had in jesus they were not so materialistic. They were not so attached to this present world that they did not, uh, uh, that they shrank from death. Wow, what, what an example these people were. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Again, regardless of your way of interpreting the book of Revelation, those who overcome, whatever the circumstance may be, we do so by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we must learn not to love our lives in this world so much as to shrink even from death itself. That's how you live when you believe that Jesus is coming soon. If you believe that he's coming back tomorrow, uh, then live like he is coming back today. 
live in that sense of wisdom and anticipation appreciate the basic things that you have in life spend time with your family work on those relationships with people love your neighbor as yourself be salt and light in this world because it will ultimately fade away and be redeemed at the second coming justice will come over over sin and over evil destruction of evil will happen redemption will happen of our very bodies and of all of creation and there will not be the same order of things it will all all change because of the second coming would you pray with me this morning father we do thank you and we praise you uh, for the truth of your word not only did jesus come not only did jesus die not only did jesus arise from the grave but jesus is coming soon and Lord, I pray for every person who is who is watching this or who will watch this or who will listen to this, God, that we would take the opportunity to wake up and trust in you and put our faith in you and make you first and foremost front and center the priority of our lives we thank you that you are still on the throne we thank you that you are still in control and that you are coming soon we pray to that end amen and amen well god bless you today and thank you so much for tuning in with us and joining in i remind you of a couple of announcements before you leave today remember our passover special on uh, Wednesday night, if you'll put that on the screen again, at 7 p.m. We'll be live on Facebook explaining that whole amazing uh, celebration in the, in the Jewish world and its relevance to us today. And then on Good Friday night at 7, we will deal with the question, why was Jesus crucified? And then Sunday morning, Easter 2020, what if Easter never happened what difference would that make in our lives plus we'll do the quiz in the afternoon those of you who have the link i look forward to being with you at 3 p.m this afternoon on zoom as we connect for a time of community and prayer together god bless you have a wonderful wonderful sunday today